Hello again, everybody, and happy December. I'm recording this podcast on December 4th, 2020, and what a hell of a year it has been for all of us. You know, the last episode of the Egypt Travel Podcast I recorded was all the way back in June, right after, well, what we now know was the first wave of the global coronavirus pandemic. And even then, we still had a ways to go, and we knew it before we would all be over this and able to get back to traveling again. But I think few of us really imagined that it would continue on for quite as long as it has. And with the second wave now being two and even three times worse in some countries than the first wave. But I'm not going to spend any more time in this episode talking about coronavirus. I did that a lot uh, in the last episode when I talked about coronavirus in Egypt and its impact on travel to the region. But now it finally appears that we're in the last throes, the last inning, the last chapter of this nightmare. And there's a lot of reason to be hopeful and seriously start talking about travel and travel planning again. I'm sure you all know by now three vaccines are on the cusp of approval. One was actually, I think, approved in the UK yesterday, and two are about to be approved in the US in the next week or so. And that's in addition to the vaccines developed in other places like China and Russia that they're distributing already to their populations. And I even read somewhere that there are dozens more vaccines out there that are still in lesser stages of development, but will be coming out in the next few months, I'm sure. So it finally appears that relief and resolution are on the horizon for all of us, and we can start to close out this crazy, crazy year and this crazy chapter in all of our lives. So that means we can start travel planning again and make up for all that lost travel time in 2020 with some amazing bucket list experiences we've always wanted to do before we die, like travel to Egypt and see the pyramids. And you know, you guys know that all the tombs and temples of the pharaohs, the magnificent golden treasures of King Tut that all survived into the modern era by sheer chance, and all of the other incredible stuff there is to see and do in Egypt. You know, most people think of Egypt as a destination that you go to just to see the pyramids and the tombs and the temples. But there's so much more to this country than just all the historic monuments. Don't get me wrong, though. Those are incredible enough and plenty of a reason alone to go to Egypt without anything else even being there. Seriously, no other place in the world can you see the combinations of things you can in Egypt. Sure, some countries have temples, and a few have even you know pyramid-like structures, and there are burial sites of famous rulers in other countries, too, but nowhere else Can you see all of the things in one place and in one trip? And nowhere else has these things on the scale of magnificence and grandeur as does Egypt. Egypt and its sites are just a whole other world, a whole other level. So even if you've literally been to every other country in the world, Egypt still blows people away when they finally make it to it and see it for the first time. Now, if there's one thing about travel that this pandemic has taught us this year in 2020, it's that life is short and precious, and our ability to travel is not at all guaranteed. And we don't have time to waste to see and do the things that we want to see and do before we die. COVID has targeted the young, the old, the healthy, the unhealthy, the rich, the poor. It has not spared any demographic around the world. It has shown us that We might not be here next year and that procrastination and getting back out there and getting on the road and in the air when travel becomes safe again is what we should be doing with an eagerness like never before. And the time to start planning out that travel is now. 
To be honest, just since the announcement of the three new vaccines in North America and Europe in the last month, I've seen an enormous uptick in requests for trip proposals at my company Egypt Elite, and 2021 travel slots, and even late 2021 travel, is already starting to book up during some periods. The best guides, the limited slots available with the best companies, the nicer vehicles, the nicer hotels are going to book up by either the end of this year or early next year. So my best advice to anyone wanting to see Egypt in 2021 or even 2022 is to start planning and booking now. Start that process now. You don't have to pay now, but you should at least reach out and get on our calendar so that we can save a spot for you and your family or your group. And you're not left with the bottom of the barrel in terms of companies and service providers that are left if you you know, wait until later in 2021 to start planning your trip. Egypt is a place where you really want to have a good tour operator behind you handling your logistics. Even if you're just one or two people traveling together, or if you're an experienced traveler, Egypt is a whole other world of chaos and complications for those who try to go it alone. So just keep that in mind as you're thinking about planning your trip there in the future. Now, what I want to do in this episode is follow through on what I promised in the last episode and tell you about how you can take full advantage of the slowdown in global travel and tourism to plan cheaper in price but much better in quality trips than ever before. One of the things we did in Egypt during 2020 is lock in longer-term pricing contracts for 2021, 2022, and beyond because we knew that travel would, of course, eventually bounce back and that Egypt is one of the absolute top destinations in the world that everyone wants to and should see at some point. Egypt is not a fad destination like many other places, so we knew that there would always be a market here and a demand here. So we had no qualms about investing in 2020 and doubling down on our capabilities there so that when travel resumed, we'd be able to offer the best quality and services in Egypt with 2020 prices locked in, at least for a limited time. So what that means is that some of the trips and packages we've been putting together lately for our clients who are traveling to Egypt in mid and late, even, even some early 2021, and who are being smart by already planning those trips out now and getting their spots reserved with us, some of those packages have been between 40 and 60% below what those same exact itineraries priced out at late last year in 2019 or even earlier this year at the beginning of 2020. So I wanted to give a couple of examples of real itineraries we've put together or priced out for some of our clients or compared with some other companies and give you the real costs for what those itineraries were last year versus this year, meaning for booking this year, although they're actually traveling next year in 2021. You know, once travel resumes at scale next year, prices will obviously go back up again because demand is going to return and probably increase a lot since everyone missed travel in 2020. And don't forget, the gym's going to be open next year finally. I'll do another episode on that. Don't worry. That's been a whole other issue because they couldn't help at this time. Bless their hearts. They could not help not opening the gym in 2020 like they promised. I don't fault Egypt and the government at all for that. But I'll do another episode on that when I have an update, hopefully in a couple of weeks. But it is what it is now for the lucky and smart ones who are at least starting the planning process 
of booking their trips for late 2020, even into early 2021, reaching out to us, getting on our calendar, getting on our radar, and getting a slot reserved for you and your group. So first, I want to talk about the trips that Disney started offering to Egypt, either last year or the year before. I can't remember now. It might have been 2018 when they started. Maybe 2019. But anyway, they just started offering trips to Egypt. Now, I know that many people just love the Disney brand for various reasons. I love many of their movies. If you have kids, of course, you're wedded to Disney. They have some of the most classic movies and theme park experiences of all time. I have great memories there. I still like the movies. But when a brand starts to stretch out beyond what made them great, and they start looking to slap their brand on anything and everything just to make more and more money and keep their shareholders happy, things are never as good as their original products, even though it carries the brand label. So Disney branched out from creating destinations like their theme parks years ago, and they started trying to organize trips to other places around the world for groups of Disney fans. Now, it's possible that in other places, in other destinations, these trips have been wonderful and worth the price. I don't know. I know Egypt. In Egypt, however, I know it inside and out, and I can tell you that the Disney trips there are a huge ripoff. Just a fair warning there. My personal opinion, I'll go through the numbers with you. I'll go through what it really costs. They're a huge ripoff. Not only are they overpriced, especially for 2021, but they're using these mass market service providers as subcontractors that don't know their guides, they don't know their staff, they don't know their drivers personally, and they deliver these you know, typical huge group flag-following tourist bubble trips that are not authentic experiences in Egypt in the least, and which, honestly, I believe are a huge waste of your money, if you ask me. It's pretty rare to have huge tour groups of 25 or 30 or 40 anymore these days because the tourism industry has kind of grown past that. And that's a thing of the past now, except for some groups, for example, from, you know, East Asia or India, groups that kind of, you know, they don't have people that that know the the language or culture really well and and or maybe older groups of travelers you know elderly from you know japan and china and they really want to stick together in a a a bubble and they don't you know they're used to doing the you know huge group huge tour bus flag following thing but for for western tourists that's kind of a thing of the past i mean it's really impersonal and you're just herded around like cattle on these huge uncomfortable coach buses and you're herded from place to place with maybe one guide for 20 or 30 or more people sometimes. And it's just a really crappy experience for a visit to Egypt, and you're really paying more for a way worse experience. However, just to give you an example of what Disney's Egypt trip cost in 2019 and 2020 versus what they should cost now, let's look, let's run through an, an itinerary of their trips and some of the numbers, okay? So, I'm literally looking at the Disney Egypt trip itinerary right now, and I'm going through that with you first to tell you what I think of their itinerary, which is that, honestly, it's kind of crap. I mean, it's much lower quality than what I would expect from a Disney trip. The first red flag I see here looking at it is that the accommodations they have you staying in are not great. Now, this is where someone who doesn't know anything about Egypt or Cairo would be fooled. Because you have it well, if you've been listening to the Egypt Travel Podcast for a while at least, you've likely heard me talk about the hotels in Egypt and the ones that you'd think are nice sometimes are but are not, and the ones that you would think are kind of average sometimes will blow you away. 
That's just how it works in Egypt. It's different from any other country, and especially back in, in Western Europe in the U.S. and Canada. For example, the Ritz-Carlton property in Cairo is solidly in that category of hotels that are, you might think are nice because of the brand name, but in Egypt, the property is not nice in my opinion. I don't like it at all. Um, it's a real disappointment. It may be considered a five-star property technically on paper just because it has the label Ritz-Carlton. They have, they meet the requirements of having a 24-hour restaurant, you know, some other things that like check the boxes and make them, you know, give them the five stars technically on paper. But honestly, it's the shittiest five-star property in Cairo and definitely not worth what they charge. Ritz-Carlton and many other cities and countries around the world, of course, are very nice hotels. Usually the nicest or at least the top two or three nicest in any given city. However, hotel brands, like I said, are not the same in Egypt. And the Nile Ritz-Carlton honestly is just a very blah hotel and not worth the Ritz-Carlton money they charge by a long shot. You know, that same property, I've talked about this before in an old um, Best Hotels of Egypt podcast, but, uh, and we're going to be doing another one real soon for 2021, by the way, but that Ritz-Carlton property used to be a Hilton property. It used to be the old Nile Hilton that was really uh, well known for, for decades. And, you know, it used to be a big thing back in the, you know, 60s and 70s and 80s. And, you know, it, to me, it looks like they basically, it looks about the same, even though they supposedly renovated it. They put out some nice fresh flower arrangements, you know, because it's Ritz-Carlton, but it's not what you would expect from a Ritz. So that's the first problem. There are many other super nice, posh, luxe, wonderful five-star hotels in Cairo, but the Disney trip, uh, they're putting their people in the worst of the five-star hotels to start the trip, which to me, just looking at this itinerary, is a, the first red flag. Now, let's see. Next, they list the Nile cruise boat they're using. Okay. Now, for those of you who know me from this podcast and the blog, EgyptTravelBlog.com, um, you know I'm not a fan of the Nile cruises to start with. The boats are usually nasty if you look under the rug, literally sometimes even if you don't. And, you know, that includes the supposed five-star boats. The only exception to my warnings against the nasty Nile cruises are what we call Dahabeya boats, which are smaller and much nicer. Those usually have about uh, 10 to 15 cabins maximum, and they stop along the shore at more locations as they sail because they're not these massive floating monstrosities like the bigger cruise ships are that can't stop at every dock or site or port along the way to make that slow sail down or up the Nile worth it. The Dahabeyas also are far more luxurious and pretty much the same price as the bigger nasty cruise boats. So Disney has their people on one called the MS Tulip, which is one of the bigger ones that I always recommend people avoid. So that's another red flag I'm seeing here. Um, let's see, next they have them flying all the way over to Sharm, Sharm el-Sheikh in the Sinai Peninsula to stay at a no-name property, the Coral Sea Resort. Um, yeah, that that's a no-name property over there. It's not even sort of in the top category, the top tier of properties. It's not even near the top tier. I wouldn't even say this is in the top 15 of ones I'd recommend, um, which is where you should be staying if you're going with Disney and Disney's charging you what they're charging you. I also, by the way, wouldn't recommend even bothering going all the way over to Charm because you have to fly there and even make a connection to get there. And there are much, much nicer places on the Red Sea to go that don't require two additional flights, including a connection, to get there from Luxor. 
Sharm and Hergada, by the way, are where people go who don't know Egypt or who haven't talked to anyone who knows Egypt. And they may have just heard of it and they think it's nice because they think they've heard of it before. But it's not where anyone who knows Egypt would recommend that someone visit on a first trip to Egypt, especially a luxury trip. Okay, so now I'm clicking over to the detailed itinerary. So let's talk about their sites that they visit with you and the routing. Okay, with the exception of their inclusion of Sharm el-Sheikh, the rest of the itinerary actually isn't bad in terms of the sites you visit. Well, I see one exception. It includes many of the things that I'd recommend visiting on a first-time trip to Egypt. Of course, they have the pyramids and the Sphinx in there. Although they don't take you down to see the older pyramids at Saqqara and Dashur, which I would definitely recommend including, especially if you're doing 10 full days in Egypt like this. You have the time. You're missing out if you don't go see that. Well, you're not missing out. You're just, uh, you have the time to do it, and you're right there, about 30 minutes north of them. So with t if you were just doing five days, I'd say, you know, do a, don't worry about going down there. But if you're doing 10 full days, you're missing out if you don't go down to Saqqara and Dashur when you're at the Giza pyramids. Let's see. Then, of course, they have the Egyptian Museum, a brief tour around Cairo, hitting up the Khan, the Khan of Khalili Souk. Okay, that's all standard. That's fine. Then the next day, they have you flying down to Abu Simbel and spending the early afternoon there before heading back north to Aswan. Okay, Abu Simbel is really, really far south in Egypt, down by the Sudanese border in southern Egypt. And it's a really unique site that people, many people have heard of all over the world. And it's one that I think can be worth visiting on a first time trip to Egypt, as long as you're there for more than about five or six days. If you're only there for a week or less and you try to cram in Abu Simbel, that's a bit of a stretch. But a trip like this of 10 days uh, is, is, is good to include it in. So that's fine. Okay, then when you're back in Aswan, they have you doing a three, no, four night River cruise down the Nile. Again, though, this is on one of the big, ugly boats that I've recommended against for years and years for a lot of reasons, and about which, you know, I've really talked extensively. You can go back and listen to some of the old episodes to figure out why I don't like those. There are many reasons. But again, if you do want to do a Nile cruise, there's a much nicer and better way to do it. You never would have heard of these outside of Egypt. So if you didn't really do your due diligence and homework, you wouldn't have come across this. But the Dahabeya boats are much, much better than these big, disgusting mass market boats. And you can take a Dahabeya boat that has eight or 10 cabins instead of 50 or 70 or 100 cabins, like some of these big boats do. Okay, so after the three-day sand cruise, they have you basically doing, you spend another night on the boat while you're docked in Luxor. They have you basically doing two half days in Luxor. And you're skipping, this is weird, you're skipping one of the most iconic sites there, which is... Queen Hatshepsut's Mortuary Temple. That's seriously an amazing site, you know, not to mention historically significant, and it's nowhere to be found on this itinerary. Instead, they just have people doing Luxor and Karnak temples, and when they go to the western side and do the western bank, it says they're doing the Valley of the Kings, King Tut's tomb, and now watch out, they'll probably make you pay for that extra. Well, for that price, they shouldn't. But um, they totally skip over Queen Hatshepsut's temple, which is a real pity. You should see that while you're over. It's right around the corner. It's literally on the other side of the mountain, right around the corner from the Valley of the Kings. And if you're at the Valley of the Kings and don't see Hatshepsut's temple, that's just a waste. Okay, then they have you fly all the way from Luxor to Charm on the second afternoon, only to spend one full day in Charm the next day. That's strange. And then you fly back to Cairo and you're done. So, yeah, okay, it's it's 
it's just not even worth it to go to Charm for one full day. And if you want to go to the Red Sea, there are other places much closer to Luxor that you don't have to take two flights to get to. All right, so let's get to the real juicy part now because I took a lot of screenshots of their pricing in 2009, uh, 2009 uh, 2019 and 2020, and I even requested more information on the pricing directly from Disney then because I really couldn't believe they were charging what they were charging for that itinerary. But just wait until I tell you what they're charging for 2021. You're not even going to you're not even going to believe it. It's not what you think either. It's not lower. Okay, so pre-pandemic and at the outbreak of the pandemic, here's what Disney was charging for that itinerary for two people. You ready for it? $17,198. Not Egyptian pounds. U.S. dollars. $17,198 for two people. So that's eight thousand eight five ninety nine eight thousand five hundred ninety nine basically eighty six hundred bucks per person for that 10-day itinerary now this is the price that stayed valid up through may of 2020 which is when i pdf'd the email from them asking me to pay this amount for the trip for two that i had inquired about over the phone and by the way they sent they're so desperate they sent like in the two emails an email or two every week saying you need to pay this amount. We're going to let your spot go. Okay, we're about to let your spot go. Pay this amount in the next 48 hours. A week later, hey, we still have your spot. We just want to get you to pay it. We're going to let your spot go. We're going to let it go. A week later, hey, we still have your spot available. We're going to, we can do it. It was just a little pathetic. So yeah, so I called them and I asked a lot of questions over the phone. I confirmed a lot of the other details I mentioned that I, I kind of found unbelievable, like not only the price, but the fact that they actually lump you together into huge groups of 25 to 30 travelers, other strangers, and they herd you around like cattle with one local guide for the whole group, which is insane in 2020 to be doing that. Now, as if that weren't outrageous enough, all of the other Honest Tour companies have dropped their prices for 2020 and 2021 because it has become cheaper to deliver a trip like this now that tourism has slowed down globally. Well, either they've dropped the price or they've upgraded the experience for the same price, which is another thing. Sometimes they can't drop the price because they've already paid things out, but they can negotiate upgrades to the experience. So that's common as well. So what has Disney done, though? They've increased the price on their customers for their Egypt trips to a whopping... Okay, are you ready for it? You ready? I'm looking at the website right now as I'm recording right now in that same crappy itinerary in those second-rate hotels and boats. They've increased it to a starting price of $9,199. With most of their available dates, actually, it looks like are over $10,000. And that's per person. That's absolutely insane. They even It looks like they even charge... Okay, I found one for $10,799 per person. And this is during the, the low season in Egypt, which is even crazier. They're charging you more to come during the shittiest times when it's so unbearably hot that nobody else even wants to go there and demand is lower. Okay, I don't get that, but after looking at all this, uh, it, nothing surprises me anymore. Now look, I'm all about luxury travel and traveling comfortably and splurging on the things that are worth it. But the big problem I have with these Disney trips is that they're not worth anywhere near the cost. You can get a much nicer trip 
than what they're offering you here for thousands and thousands of dollars less, especially post-pandemic. So let me let me show you that. Let me run through uh, what a trip like this should cost, even if you bump it up to a more luxurious trip, staying in much nicer hotels and a much posher resorts and now cruise boats with half of the people in the group as they're doing here uh, with the Disney groups. Let me run through what the numbers would be, upgrading it to that, and you can see how it would be much less than what they're charging, even if you upgrade it to nicer hotels and cut the group size in half. Okay, so before I recorded, I ran all, I plugged all the calculations for their trip itinerary into my company, Egypt Elite's pricing spreadsheets, because all of our pricing is very formulaic. We just kind of plug in what our clients are doing, um, and it pops out a price based on the components. And even if you cut the group size in half, which normally means things get more expensive because costs are spread out. Um, costs are not spread out as much, excuse me. But even if you cut that group size in half and upgrade both the Nile Cruise and the hotels to true five-star properties, you should only be paying about $4,775 for that trip, not $8,600 as it was last year or earlier this year, or especially between 9200 and 10800 per person like they're charging for the same trip in 2021. All of that is just insane. If you have the extra money to literally throw it away and you want to stay in crappy properties, please reach out to me and I'm more than happy to hook you up with more luxurious trips for half the price and give you the names of some very worthy charities in Egypt to which you can donate the other half of that money instead of literally throwing it away on a criminally overpriced trip. Even if you don't want to do a group trip, if you just want to have the same itinerary as a couple or a family or a small group of friends, okay, maybe add another thousand dollars because you're not spreading it out over, you know, a medium sized group. But, you know, still, I mean, 4775 plus a thousand for that itinerary private group, you know, you can still do it private without anybody else. And you're still saving a lot of money. I mean, that's almost half. That's, yeah. All right. And, oh, by the way, now that I'm thinking about it, you could shave even more off of that, too, by going to an even nicer Red Sea City and Red Sea Resort and staying in a much nicer uh, hotel there. I just priced out their trip exactly as they had it. But there's absolutely no reason to spend the extra money to fly all the way to Charm and back, like I said, just to stay at a second-tier resort over there for one full day, maybe a day and a half total. But you get the point, right? I mean, you can easily save money on a trip to Egypt and stay in much nicer places. You just have to have someone who knows what they're doing in planning and executing your trip, not a nameless, faceless, large company that overcharges you just because they can, and you literally never know the difference, and they just subcontract it out to people who give you a second-rate trip but they have the brand name on it. And so you think it's, you know, you don't know the difference. You think it's, it's the best there is. It's not, trust me. Oh, and another thing, you see, I get excited about this stuff. By the way, I completely forgot to mention that the pricing I gave you for what that trip should cost, that already includes for what it should cost, the lower price that already includes the tipping for everyone along the trip. That's another thing about most companies like this is that they quote you these inflated, ridiculous prices then they surprise you when you get there and they tell you, oh, you have to pay more to pay the guides and the drivers and everybody else at the end because your package didn't really include that. They said it did. They said that they were you know, getting paid 
but then they tell you you have to tip them at the end, and to be honest, that's how they really get paid. So you end up shelling out hundreds and hundreds more dollars in tips to every one of their brother who was involved at the end, but we don't do that as a company when we're pricing things out. So that's why the pricing we give is always upfront and includes tipping. We actually pay our staff well. We pay them above industry uh, uh, standards and averages by far. And, you know, they don't need tips. They don't even want or accept them. They're paid well. And they know that we include the tipping up front in the package price in order to pay them uh, what they more than what they would expect to get paid uh, if they were tipped at the end. So the price that I gave you earlier for the Disney trip already includes the tips uh, that they would expect you to pay out of pocket extra at the end. And yeah, what they're charging doesn't even include that, even though it's twice the price. So twice the price plus some. Oh, and by the way, on that note, if any company except for us, except for Egypt Elite, if any other company tells you that tipping is optional, they're absolutely lying to you. And that should be a red flag to run away. I say except us because we tell you up front that the tipping is already included in our packages. We include it. The tipping is what the guides and drivers get paid at other companies. They don't really get paid by the company. They tell you it's included. It's not. They don't get paid. They give the guides and drivers the opportunity to work with a group and earn tip money, and that's what they get paid. We include we pay our people, so we include all that up front. And you're still you're still tipping. You're still tipping them well, trust me. But we don't surprise you with it at the end. We include it in the price. We quote you in the beginning, which no other company will do. So if you see tips optional anywhere in Egypt, run away because they are dishonest players. Now, some companies will actually be straightforward and say that gratuities are not included in the price, but are expected at the end. Now, I can respect that in a company, but when they say it's optional, they're lying to you, the customer, and they're also that's also usually a sign that they treat their local staff very poorly because sometimes if people think it's optional, sometimes people don't tip where they think, oh, you're getting paid and tipping's just extra, like I'm going to be cheaper, I'm trying to save money, or maybe I didn't like something that I, you know, the guide couldn't control, and they don't tip or they don't tip as much as they should, and the guides and drivers get screwed. That's how they get paid. If you don't tip at the end and the company's making you tip, then, um, or are they telling you it's optional, then the guides, the drivers are the ones getting screwed. They're not getting paid and they're getting screwed. So uh, just some advice there from a lot of experience working in Egypt. Okay, so that's enough about these rip-off Disney trips and what the, that type of itinerary really should cost, especially post-pandemic. Now let me end by giving you some examples of some other really amazing trips that we've priced out recently with some really amazing savings built in. The most recent one I did, I even had to reprice twice because I thought that it was way, I, I thought I missed something. I thought it was way too low and then I missed something big, but I went over it twice again, so three times in total and it all turned out to be correct. You're just, you know, you're just saving that much by booking right now in 2020 for 2021 and even 2022 travel. Okay, so the first one I'll share without saying who it was for, but I know that they're listening to the podcast because they listen to it and they may recognize their trip itinerary here. Hey, everybody, if you recognize your trip itinerary here, can't wait to see you in Egypt. But this is for a group of eight friends traveling together towards the end of 2021. And they wanted options for a two-week trip and a three-week trip because some of them can only stay for two weeks and then have to get back to the U.S., whereas the organizers and some others wanted to stay over for a full three weeks. Now, the two-week itinerary that they wanted and that we put together for them included all of the major sites, of course, that everyone should see on their first 
trip to Egypt, plus some extras that many first-time visitors don't make it to. So let's see, I'm looking at their itinerary now. They're doing uh, the Giza Pyramids and Sphinx, plus the older pyramids down at Saqqara and Dashur, which they have time to do, and it's great they're including. Um, they're doing the Egyptian Museum, which will be the new Grand Egyptian Museum by the time they're there. They're doing a tour of old Islamic Cairo and Coptic Cairo, the Khan Khalili Souk, or the market. They're doing the Cairo Citadel, some really beautiful mosques. They're also doing a trip out to a local farm to have lunch out there that we arranged. And they have a they even have a free day in Cairo to explore a little on their own as well. Let's see, then they're flying down to Aswan and spending a few nights there while also also doing an excursion to Abu Simbel. They have plenty of time and it's a great use of time. It's only a day trip. Then they're doing the Nubian Museum back in Aswan, which is a beautiful museum, by the way. And they're also seeing the Temple of Isis in Aswan. They're heading up to Edfu to see the Temple of Horus and Hathor on the way to Luxor. They're spending a few nights in Luxor. Um, and by the way, they're doing it the smart way of um, driving up to Luxor and stopping at Temple of Horus and Hathor and Edfu on the way. Um, so they're spending a few nights in Luxor. They're seeing all of the Eastern Bank and Western Bank sites, the Temple of Karnak, Luxor Museum, Luxor Temple, Valley of the Kings, King Tut's Tomb, Colossi of Memnon, Hatshepsut's Temple, all of the stuff that you really should not miss when you're down there. Then they're flying back to Cairo. Some Okay, some have to return to the U.S. that day that they finish up down south because it will have been two full weeks already, 14 days. But some of the others are staying over to go spend a few nights in Alexandria and see the Greco-Roman sites there and a little more outside of Alexandria. And then they're coming back to Cairo for another night. Then they fly out the next day. So that makes about three weeks for those who are staying over for three weeks on that trip. Okay, so their trip priced out at $3,370, $3,370 for the full two-week trip. Um, that includes their hotels. And $4,310 for the full three-week trip. That includes Alexandria and back in Cairo again. Now, for comparison, a three-week trip that we did in 2019 for some clients priced in at just under $7,000 for, that was for three weeks. Uh, whereas now it's down to uh, $4,300, at least until our slots book up for 2021. They're getting in early, which is good. And since we, yeah, so we only, we only take, a, by the way, a certain number of clients per year because, you know, we're a smaller company. We have limited staff. We only use our staff. We don't subcontract out to other people we don't know when we book up. So when we book up, that's that's all we take for the year. So they're getting in early. That's good. And yeah, like I said, that's all including their hotels, their domestic flights, um, a lot of their meals, but, you know, trips to Egypt these days never include the international flight because that's easier for you to do and book on your own. A lot of people book it with points or they want to book it on a certain airline to get points. And so we always let people do their international flights themselves and we take care of the domestic flights and the hotels and all that. So, all right. So that's that trip. So that was, let's see, that was 3370 for the two week trip and then 4310 for the three week trip. And this is going to be a really really amazing experience for them. I'm really excited. I'm going to be there when they're there. I'm excited to meet them and do, do this trip with them. And they're just really amazing, nice people. And I'm, I'm so happy to be working with them. Uh, okay. One more example uh, I'll give you was, okay, a couple from Europe contacted me recently. And I just priced out the other day, an eight day trip for them that they're doing in early 2021. So let's see, they're doing, uh, in those eight days, they're doing the pyramids of Giza, the pyramids down at Sakhur and Dasher, the Egyptian Museum, a tour of old Islamic Cairo and the Khan Khalili Market, 
They're also flying to Aswan. They're visiting the Nubian Museum, doing a wonderful romantic sunset sail on the Nile in a traditional Nile felucca boat. This is a couple, by the way. They're making the journey down to Abu Simbel to see the temple of Ramses II and Nefertari. They're coming back up to Luxor. They're stopping off also at the temple of Horus and Hathor on the way to, uh, in Edfu on the way to Luxor. Then once they're in Luxor, they're doing the Luxor Museum, all of the East Bank and West Bank sites again, Karnak, Luxor Temple, Valley of the King, Tut's Tomb, Colossae Memnon, Hatshepsut's Temple. Then they're flying back up to Cairo, and then after Luxor, they fly to Cairo and then connect back to their onward flight back to Europe. So that that's the one, by the way, that I had to do the double and triple check on because I was really surprised how affordably it's pricing out right now. But that eight-day itinerary came in at $2,280 per person without hotels because I wasn't sure. They didn't say if they wanted us to do hotels yet or they want to do it. So it was $2,280 without hotels and $2,980 with hotels and those are in amazing amazing properties as well true five-star properties so not bad at all for eight days in egypt five-star hotels true ones the best guides and drivers private guides private drivers um, in nice new vehicles and that's all for a private trip just for the two of them it'll be really lovely i'm really really happy for them that'll be a nice amazing um trip for that couple okay so I'm going to leave it there for now. You know, you, I think you get the picture. Traveling to Egypt can really be quite affordable, even if you want to stay in over-the-top luxury properties um, and have private guides and chauffeurs, an amazing, amazing experience. Egypt truly is the trip of a lifetime. And if I personally and or my company, Egypt Elite, can help make that dream a reality for you in 2021, please do reach out and I'll personally get involved in helping plan your trip and making it truly magical. The number one piece of advice I'll leave you with, though, is for, for travel in 2021 and even 2022, the best piece of advice I can give you is to reach out now and start the booking process, at least. At least get on our radar, get on our calendar, get a slot reserved so that we can hold that for you for the dates you want. Because the best companies, the best guides, the best drivers, the ones that are screened, the ones that are in demand, the ones that we always work with and have known for over a decade, they will book up fast as soon as these new vaccines get distributed and people start getting ready to book and make up for 2020 again. You know, people are already roaring to get back in the air and on the road and to make up for lost time that where they couldn't travel in 2020. So at least reach out to us and let us know you're interested and we will be able to start that process with you, that conversation with you, answer all your questions and get you going. So with that, we'll see you in Egypt soon, I hope, and for sure, even sooner on another episode of the Egypt Travel Podcast. Masalama, everyone. Mm-hmm.